So that's nothing, right? And it throws your body into a state of emergency. That's what ketosis is. Hey everyone, this is Jeffrey Wu here with my colleague, Dr. Brianna Stubbs. So on Twitter and on the blogosphere, people are talking about Julian Michael's anti-keto rant. So our producer Zill flagged it to us and was suggesting, hey, let's do a quick live reaction video. And we'll watch the video and give you guys our live commentary. I love the way that she's gone for bacon straight off in there, the typical keto. We'll tip. take it. I mean, bacon, high fat. It's a keto enthusiast uh, and staple. And she had a nice little cross. How do we really decipher the thousands of studies that are out there on all of these diets? And the problem is, what people will do to try to sell you a false bill of goods is take one study and blow that study out as though it's the entire picture. When, of course it isn't. Imagine you have a Nothing controversial so far. I think that's reasonable. Let's not over extrapolate data. So we agree there. Massive painting, but I only showed you this tiny piece of the painting, but you had no idea what the hell else was going on over here. There's no way you could get an accurate read on if this is a sad picture, a happy picture, a danger. Like there's no way you could know, correct? So when we look at keto, here's why we're saying, or not me, but here's where some of the advocates are espousing benefits. Well, what are we doing with keto, right? We're removing carbohydrates. Anything that elevates, you've got about 20 grams of carbohydrates a day that you're ingesting, which is essentially nothing. It's about 80 calories worth of carbohydrates out of what could be anywhere from a 1,600 to 2,500 calorie a day diet. So that's nothing, right? And it throws your body into a state of emergency. That's what ketosis is. I would disagree with that. To rewind back, if we didn't have ketosis, we wouldn't exist like we do now. We have to have a way of uh, fueling our brains and keeping our brains going if there is no carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. So the reason that our bodies make ketones is to make big stores of energy as fat accessible to the brain. So I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a state of emergency. Yeah, it's I think like even a, just a more concrete example is that newborns are in a state of ketosis when they're born because they're drinking their mother's milk, super high in fat, very low carbohydrate. Babies are using ketones as fuel. So unless you're born and you're already in a state of emergency, then this is a very natural physiological state. I mean, but I think everything else seems pretty correct, right? Like the typical advice for a ketogenic diet is less than 20 grams of carbs. Well, carbs. 50, I think is 20, the 50, yeah, it's 20, 50, it's fine. low, ultra low. It is low but that is part of the point, right? We are restricting carbohydrates, so no qualms there. Maybe we can nitpick a little about protein and fat ratio, but overall, I think it's a fair description of what a ketogenic diet is. Yeah, I just think using the word emergency is like a little alarmist um, in yeah. this context. Yeah, let's continue. And because we don't have any glucose or glycogen, any blood sugar or stored blood sugar, we turn to... Another thing that I'd like to say is that even when you're in ketosis, your blood sugar is never zero. So she's just saying you like, I have no blood sugar, but even if you don't consume any carbohydrates, it never goes to zero. You're gonna be bumping along, you know. It'd be really low if you were under three millimoles. Sometimes that happens, but you know. Yeah, your the, body, your body make, makes glucose. new glucose yeah. from, from the backbone of fat glycerol and also from amino acids as well. Yeah fat quickly. We produce ketones and the idea is we burn through fat and we lose fat fast. And that is true, right? And you would think that would be a good thing. And in addition, people will say, well, I reversed my type 2 diabetes. Of course, you know, your insulin level is through the floor. You're consuming zero carbohydrates. So 
you have no blood sugar, so your pancreas is not releasing insulin. And this can also affect conditions like polycystic ovarian syndrome. And you know, by virtue of that connection, it could also affect fertility. Fair, let's give it that. So she's selling here's pretty well right now. Not let's see what about. she's gonna There's say. There's zero calorie restriction on a ketogenic diet. So you have a massive amount of oxidative stress. There's no consideration of timing with regard to food. So your autophagy process is totally out of whack. In addition to that, I think we should just dive into the timing question a little bit. I think a ketogenic diet doesn't say anything about timing and eating. Just like the standard Western yeah. diet. Like, you can nitpick a little bit here. Like, fasting in of itself is an interesting strategy, but the composition of the food is also a separate but important thing to talk about. But eating keto doesn't mean that you eat a thousand, a million calories of fat all the time either. So. Now I think she's making a little bit of a straw man, where oh, keto is not coming. Yeah, she's not. You know, she's making a straw man here, right? No one's saying eat ten thousand calories of fat all the time, and that's keto. Yeah, I would agree yeah. with that. In addition to that, it's very high in animal fats and animal proteins. So we're seeing that diets rich in saturated fats are poor for our telomeres, oxidative stress, increased inflammation. Uh, your Nutrient sensing pathways that are related to the health of your metabolism are overrun with constant food, heavy fats, lots of animal protein, and on, we know it hurts your telomeres, and on and on and on. I think it's actually pretty funny because one of the benefits of a ketogenic diet is the production of ketones, which is known to be anti-inflammatory. Yeah, I mean, I, to go back to like what she's saying at the said at the very start, like there's a lot of studies out there, and you don't want to focus in on any one, but there's certainly plenty of evidence that the ketogenic diet can be anti-inflammatory. So I wouldn't say I would say that she's kind of like fallen into her own trap of saying that it's very pro-inflammatory. I think you know you could kind of you know especially in animal models, there are times when the high-fat diet can be inflammatory. Like you said, we know that ketones themselves have anti-inflammatory effects. But I'm, I'm not going to put myself out there and be like, oh, high-fat diet is always very anti-inflammatory. I'm sure that there are settings where they are pro-inflammatory, but there's also a lot of reasons why the ketogenic diet could be seen as being anti-inflammatory. And also, she's talked a few times about oxidative stress. And again, we know that ketones are really good at scavenging the reactive oxygen species, ROS. Yeah, so it's funny. It's almost... She's almost taking the weaknesses, or she's the strengths of a ketogenic diet and saying that they're weaknesses, which is interesting, but I feel like it is a bit of a straw man argument here in terms of comparing her version of keto, which is eat infinite calories of fat all the time and eat like unhealthy, ha un un some of the more unhealthier fats yeah. and, and conflating all of that together. I would definitely say that the impression that I get from the way that she's speaking is that she thinks that people just like gorge, are, gorge and constantly like all of the time on fat and she's also kind of slipped into talking quite a lot about protein which you know again you said it's ketogenic diets controlled in terms of the protein but i think the inference is that you then eat all of the time all of the fats and actually people yeah. on keto tend to be more satiated right, and, and right, right, voluntarily right, right. consuming less right that's actually one of the best parts of a ketogenic diet that a lot of advocates would claim it's more satiating so you want to eat less absolutely now what about the benefits? Is it worth it? Let me tell you, the number one way to sensitize somebody's body again to insulin is exercise. I've been doing this a heck of a long time. <laughs> I've reversed type two diabetes. I've helped people get off all medications for type two diabetes and PCOS and get pregnant after years of trying and failing through a common sense diet where we don't eat too much 
we eat real food, and we have balanced macronutrients. So I can give you all those benefits with none of the negative side effects of keto. I don't, it just seems so dismissive. It's like, okay, um, yeah, I don't think anyone says don't exercise. I just think a lot of the, these approaches are failing in our population nowadays. Um, yeah, I, I think that everyone knows what common sense is, right? Everyone knows to go exercise more and eat a more quote-unquote balanced diet. And if you look at the diabetes and obesity rates, that's up and to the right. So I think if you go with the common sense approach that everyone already knows, well, that is demonstrably failing. So there needs to be some intervention here that changed the paradigm. And, you know, I think there's no reason why you couldn't combine exercise with a ketogenic diet. There was a review published last year that talks about the similarities and sort of metabolic benefits of, of doing the two together, you know, doing the two together. So I think... Yeah, but... yeah. Let's, let's continue to see how she wraps up here. And last thought on keto, we're stripping our body of certain fruits which have a ton of antioxidants and polyphenols in them. So again, when we look at oxidative stress and free radicals and how they're aging us. I think she's making a fair point that if you are on a ketogenic diet, you have to make sure that you include enough sources of micronutrients. And, you know, maybe first, you know, outsiders look at the keto diet would be bacon and butter and steak. And actually, if you listen to doctors Finney and Volek talking about a well-formulated ketogenic diet, they really emphasize the important of, importance of like leafy greens. And yeah, a lot of the resources that we write about, right? Yeah, you can have fibers, you can have leafy greens, as you said. And, you know, some like uh, berries and stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, low sugar and, berries. Yeah. And also um, nuts and other sources of micronutrients. So I think, you know, she's raising an important point that it's not, you have to make a conscious effort to include sources of micronutrients in a ketogenic diet and be careful with it. But again, you know, it's not, it's not like st every, the standard American diet is rich in all of these good things anyway. You know, it's very heavily processed and... Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, okay, I, I get her point. Let's make the more sensible but smart way to do a standard American diet. Fine. We could also make the same steel man argument of let's make a sensible, well-formulated ketogenic diet with your leafy greens, with the nuts, with the appropriate meats and the fish to make sure you have that micronutrient spread. I think a more smart debate would have steel man arguments on both sides, right? Like don't have the best possible version of your debate arguing with the worst possible version of your opponent's debate. Yeah. If you're really proud of your idea, then come fight against the best possible version of your opponent. We need to look at antioxidant foods that help to combat that. When you start cutting out digestive enzymes in papaya and pineapple and mango and all of the beta carotene, which is one of the top things to help keep your telomeres long, Something like keto is detrimental on so many different levels. I'm interested as to why she's linking antioxidants and fruits to longevity. And again, you sort of mentioned that she's picking arguments on one side and neglecting arguments on the keto side, because there's actually a couple of studies that have come out showing that calorie restriction and ketosis and also ketogenic diets and cyclical ketogenic diets in animal models can Our actually longevity. like promote healthful aging. So um, what's it, they call it? Uh, health, span, health span and lifespan in mice. So I think um, the argument that keto is killing you earlier in terms of it on a cellular level, like let's leave aside the kind There's no of, data to suggest that. And in fact, it's the opposite data. No. You're seeing longevity expanding yeah. effects. 
And then I would say, like, where's the data on polyphenols sending life? That doesn't exist. Well, I mean, like, there's unless early, like a resveratrol or something, but like yeah, very, very stuff. small spotty stuff as well. It's, like it's maybe kind even of less. Much and much, yeah. Yeah. And the amount of benefit is so small. When we could take a completely different path, get all the benefit over here, none of the negatives over here, and all the benefits over there. I guess we can give our concluding thoughts here. Look, I, I get Jillian's point, right? Like, I think we gotta be controversial, gotta make some strong statements. I know it's a four minute video, you can't get into the nuance. So I, I get where she's coming from. There's a lot of hype in the keto land. You're not necessarily like gonna live forever, melt fat off your body instantly off of just eating bacon 24 seven. I think one thing to point out that she didn't talk about at all in the video is that, you know, keto is really, really useful for targeted clinical use cases. Um, it's like one of the oldest uh, treatments for drug resistant pediatric epilepsy. There's some really interesting emerging data in a number of different areas, Alzheimer's disease, cancer, to rule out keto as like a really valuable weapon in our toolkit is kind of a little short-sighted. Yeah, and just to assuage the folks that care about the nuance, the science, keto is not gonna kill you. Keto is not gonna shorten your lifespan. And there are very benefit, broad benefits for doing a properly formulated ketogenic diet. And one of the things that I think was funny is that in the beginning, it's like people are pushing keto to sell you some stuff. But she's basically trying to sell you her stuff, which is her diet book and her plan, which is kind of ironic to go ad hominem and do exactly the thing that they're saying. Come, come read my, my, my strategy, my process, my book. And then that is the one true way. Well, That's I think kind of amusing. We're kind of like going against um, like a, a tide of negative feeling towards fat that's been around since the 50s when Ansel Keys did the six nations, um, six countries, not six nations, six countries study and, you know, claim to have found a link between saturated fat and heart disease. And ever since then, this like fear of fat has been like enshrined in a public policy. And the US was the first nation to publish dietary guidelines and advise that people cut back on fat. And that's really been, you know, at the forefront of global consciousness since then. And so because a whole generation of nutritionists and people who have studied food science have been trained with that as the lens, there are people who don't agree with that, but they're in the minority and they're kind of seen as kind of maybe progressive or a little bit weird and out there, but there are now people who are starting to look at the physiology and look at the new stuff that's coming out around higher fat diets, such as the ketogenic diet and, you know, get away from the fact that they're dangerous or unhealthy. So it's sort of, I think she's probably like some somewhat product of her training and that like generational, that generational training as well. And, you know, maybe in but the future. I would say that's a discount to rational active scientists who we know that are much older than she is, who are still very progressive and open-minded. Look at the data, right? You know, Professor Tim Noakes, who's, an older gentleman is out there looking at the data, fighting the good fight around the misconception there. Uh, one thing that our producer Zill flagged, I didn't know about her background, was that she was actually a judge on The Biggest Loser mm. and, and a coach on The Biggest Loser. So, so it's funny to me, again, going ad hominem here to make the controversy, you're talking about selling a diet that you have monetary ties to in your book, and you've been on TV shows which do weight loss strategies that 
just don't work, right? If you actually look at the results of if these crash sites actually work, no, all these people regain all their weight. So it's hypocritical to come out on your high platform critiquing other people to make money off a keto diet or making false claims when you are selling a book and make money off of the biggest loser, which kind of makes clowns of people struggling with real weight problems in, in a lot of ways, right? You're telling them, hey, we're gonna make a competition to see how much fat you can lose so quickly, so unhealthily, and these guys pop right back up to their normal weight after the show is over, so. So I think, you know, it's it's not necessarily, it's not helpful to take the, you know, to scare monger and like, to try and dissuade people who for, for whom keto might be like transformative and really, really helping them lose weight and get to a place that they've not ever been before. So I think, you know, it doesn't, it's not necessarily for everyone, but if it works for some people, there's absolutely no and reason. And there's strong evidence suggesting it could work for a lot of people. Yeah. Those are our thoughts on Jillian Michaels' Big Think video. If you like content like this, consider subscribing to our YouTube channel. We also have a weekly podcast called the HVMN Podcast where we discuss topics like ketogenic diet and human performance broadly. Subscribe, give us your comment, give us your feedback. Thanks so much and see you guys next time. Goodbye.